Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Streaming services are on the rise, and -and brick-and-mortar video stores are a thing of the past. We have lost that experience of wandering the aisles and stumbling upon a film we've never heard of. We have replaced the familiar face behind the video store counter with an algorithm to recommend films. 
With more and more content available, it's harder to know what's worth watching and what might be a waste of your time. There are many hidden gems out there waiting to be discovered, and we want to help you find them. This is Trailer Rewind, a podcast where we discuss and review recently forgotten or overlooked films that are now available to stream at home. Hey, Trailer Rewind fans, it's the beginning of a new season, and we're doing something different again. This season of Trailer Rewind, I'm bringing on different guests for each of our shows, and today I snagged one of my fellow film board members. I've got Tommy with me here today, and we're going to discuss villains. This is a hell of a predicament we find ourselves in. I used to be a salesman. I could read people. Now, I'd like to take a stab at selling you. Judging by the broke-down car and the sorry state of my front door, I'd say both of you are on the lam. Everybody get down! Next up, Florida! How'd I do? That was amazing. I feel like I might be able to read people just like that. I'm gonna try right now. Um, your clothes look expensive, and this is a pretty house. But you know what I think the most telling thing about you is? Come on, baby, there's nothing down here. It's, it's the little girl you got chained up in the basement. We're taking her with us. All right, you're free. Come with us. This was Andy's pick from August 24th, 2019. This script was on the blacklist in 2016. Now, Tommy, you know about the blacklist, right? I That's, do. What I love can you the blacklist. What can you tell us about the blacklist? The blacklist is something that agencies, uh, I believe it came from agencies, someone like CAA. Uh, they started putting out a independent list of all of the favorite unproduced scripts. So scripts that hadn't been produced or necessarily bought, but that everyone loved. So some of these would be sample scripts. Some of these would have put people really on a map, but it would rank through and it wasn't necessarily the bet would make the best movie, but it was the one that they enjoyed the most. You'd be able to see how many studio uh, executives or agents voted for each one and it would put them in a list from top to bottom. So again, it's, there's something that's that's solid about a, a script on the blacklist, and some of them become very successful films. Some of them may become films, and again, maybe it was a better script than a better than right. an executed film. And so that was something that I found intriguing about this one. We're going to be yeah, talking some about of them it. really end up just as calling cards. Yes, exactly. They get they they allowed you to then write other scripts. Yes, exactly. Yeah. However, this one uh, actually became a film, so it was blacklisted in, in 2016. One of the things that Andy said he really was intrigued by is that he loves Kira Sedgwick and the horror slash comedy aspect of it reminded him of something like, and I don't know where he got this from, but he said, it's sort of like don't breathe, but with comedy elements to it. And I thought, Oh, I, I completely I, <laughs> agree. I love, okay. I really like don't breathe. And that is not a bad uh, a, a example. That's great. Okay. All right. yeah. And then Pete said he loved Bill Skarsgård and Jennifer Donovan. And he said, those are two really solid reasons to see this. So we've got a blacklist script. We've got recognizable names and faces in this. So all good reasons to, to give this thing a shot. So today is September 13th and villains is available right now on Hulu and hoopla. 
So coming from the from the blacklist, this got hoopla. into wait hoopla. What's hoopla? <laughs> oh, you don't. It's right. You don't. You haven't been here before. Hoopla I'm sorry. Is a no. It's a free streaming service. Is this like just a film festival you throw in your own basement? <laughs> no, no, no. If you have, depending on your library, your public library, it is a, a video streaming service that libraries can subscribe to. So basically, oh, wow. I, I, I can go to my public library. I log into Hoopla and it asks for my library card number and what library system, and then I get access to films. So you. Oh, can that's wonderful. Many. Okay. So you may want to check out if you have a library card. 100%. There you go. So this one, uh, so villains started playing at festivals in the early part of 2019, starting by, with the South by Southwest Festival in March. Mm. The trailer indicated that it was going to be released into theaters on, on in September 2019. And IMDb said September 20th, 2019 was the release date, but I couldn't find any box office information about the theatrical release to confirm this. Huh. So I have no idea if it actually did go into theaters or not, but I do know that it was available digitally on December 13th, 2019 and physical format media, Blu-ray DVD on December 20th, 2019, just huh. in time for the holidays. I guess. Such a holiday film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nothing says holiday films like a ceramic baby. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Sorry. I shouldn't. <laughs> That's okay because this is a it's a quirky movie but I mean the basic idea is that we've got lovers on the run their car dies they they go into a house looking for a new set of wheels to continue their you know road trip and the house they go into has this really dark secret to it but we've got these really uh, friendly, sweet as pie homeowners that are going to do anything to protect that secret. So we've got, I think Andy touched on it in, in the trailer, is that it has that horror and comedy aspect to it. One thing that stuck out to me at the very beginning of this is it reminded me very much of Pulp Fiction right from the get-go because you've got these these two young criminals saying, I love you, and then we go right into a robbery. Oh, and, right. And then oh, so right. we've got yeah. this, these quirky lovers on the run, uh, but it is not Pulp Fiction. <laughs> right. It's not uh, because we've got them walking in with uh, – they've got – masks on like a pigeon and a unicorn so we've silly got masks. Set, silly masks so we've got this yeah. goofiness to it so that's you know this is an odd film who do you think this film is for you know overall what type of person do you think is going to be drawn to this type of movie well i can definitely say me <laughs> okay because i have a weird as i screamed about don't breathe when it, when you brought up that andy brought up that i have a really weird love well number one i have a love of uh location films meaning like a contained location okay get to a place and then really maximize your time in there i've gone on record of being a huge fan of the movie devil which oh, just yes. takes place in an elevator and i think it's astounding i love it um and i'm also a big fan of home invasions gone wrong it's usually <laughs> okay. found in horror like uh, the collector, like the aforementioned, don't breathe. Um, but then it also can. It, the whole movie doesn't have to take there take place there. For instance, uh, Blue Velvet. Um, oh, Kyle MacLachlan yes. breaks into the wrong house and hides in the wrong closet in this suburban kind of wonderful scenario. Under under like uh, uncovering the darkness that can be all around you all the time. When you're just driving down a suburban neighborhood, you can be like, yep, maybe there's something horrific going on in there. So I love that push-pull of a dark comedy. I like okay. it not knowing where people, where their motivations are coming from. Yes. Whether if they are insane, whether if they are 
non-empathetic, something like that. There's a there's a lot of fun for that. Uh, and then also it lets your villains be more interesting and it lets your protagonists not be Mary Sue's, meaning these perfect yes. kind of characters. Everyone can be flawed or dumb or interesting and it just lets dialogue fly in that way. It becomes a character piece, even though there's such strong plot. The end. So a lot of the examples you mentioned are pretty dark films. This one has dark elements to it, but overall, I felt like this this balanced that line between the, the sort of the dark comedy, but leaning into the comedy quite a bit more in this one. I mean, there's there's a lot of laughs in this. I think yep. it's it's much lighter in tone. I think it. I didn't feel like I had watched a horror movie or an intense thriller. It although it has those elements, there was something very much. I get, and maybe it's because they're on their way to Florida. It's like there's there's sunshine that's that's there. There's there's bright <laughs> colors yeah. even in the house. We don't have a a dark foreboding environment. No, it's not an abandoned barn. Right. It's not. No, exactly. you're exactly right. Um. It's almost like an invitation into David Lynch for yes. me, but okay. via via Cohen Brothers. It's okay. this sort of it's this it's almost like for people that aren't quite ready for how much because David Lynch films can be hysterical. Yes. But then oh. can have these yeah. crazy tone shifts and stuff. So it's almost like someone that wanted to make an accessible David Lynch film, maybe. <laughs> okay. No, okay. That 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 I think gives our listeners a sense of what type of film this is, sort of the, the genre, the, if it's going to be something that is treading in familiar turf for them. But overall, in terms of quality, how would you rate or rank this film? Is this one that you you'd highly recommend to somebody? Where would you, on, on Tommy's scale of rating movies, where would you put this one? You mean on an actual ranking or why I feel the way? Or both. Or, or both. Either. Oh, yes. this is unprecedented. Or you want me to just sort of sing something? Okay. Um, I, this is a, the fact that it's a contained location piece um, always will make it. There's contained location pieces, submarine films, and courtroom thrillers. <laughs> I have made clear that those are ones, even if it's bad, it's pretty good. It's like sex pizza. It's still pretty good no matter how, how it is. And I thought that this film, it, it surprised me. I thought I had my arms around it because like the opening is Tarantino light, just not that clever, but clever enough. I liked the car wash scene that we will get into. I liked the characterization. And then when Jeffrey Donovan shows up, woof, the entire movie just lights up. So I was, I think, I think it's a very nice, small film in the way that we don't get the chance to make a lot and studios have absolutely no interest in so out of let's say five tommies i would give it like three and a half tommies i was i was captivated and i loved the uh acting and yeah maybe 3.75 tommies oh wow okay so i i wasn't quite as high on the on the scale with that one understandable this one one ended up near the bottom-ish part of my flick chart, which isn't like a horrible place to be, but what's very interesting is it ended just below uh, my flick chart, just below August's uh, film board film, uh, or was that July when you guys did Project Power? And oh, ended up right, right in the same, because I felt like it's Which doing, I was a weird fan of. I was the biggest yes. fan of, of Okay, the so yeah. it, it it's a film that it's very competently done. It does everything. It just didn't do anything extra for me. And that's why I ended up at two and a half stars. And now maybe you'll sure. talk me into a, a different range on that when we get there. But that's, I feel like there's there's untapped potential in here from what 
I'm expecting out of it. And we, well, oh, we can get untapped into potential is yeah. a great thing to bring up. And again, I brought up the idea of a contained uh, tension piece as a kryptonite for me, right? Not as oh, a, yeah. you know, it's like a, it's like a, bl- it's like a blind spot. So yes. yeah, that's oh, sure. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, over on Letterboxd, this actually has an average review of 3.18 on a scale of five, uh, based oh. on 8,000, nearly 9,000 reviews. So a lot of people seeing it over there. Over at IMDb, Pete will always tread out this six-star cut point. This is actually 6.2 based on, out of 10, on 6,700 reviews. So it's a film that's not getting a lot of reviews out there, but it seems like overall average, it's landing right in that sweet spot of it's not really low, but it's it's right there in the middle ground, which I think both of you know both of us agree it's right. It's, it's worth worth checking out. So listeners, if you think this is your kind of film and you don't want anything spoiled, this is your chance to pause the podcast and go check out Villains on Hulu or Hoopla. We'll wait. <laughs> We can see you. <laughs> no need to say that. <laughs> no, but it's fun. Okay. All right. So, Tommy, now that uh, people that are still with us are the ones that want to hear about this and get in-depth. <gasps> I've been so- holding my breath this entire time. <laughs> <sighs> okay. This All is right. rough. So, this is, so there's so much. No, it's interesting because you mentioned a couple things early on. One, of the, You talked about the car wash thing and that was something that okay stuck out to me tell me so we've got our we talked about our tarantino opening with the robbery then they're they're on the road they run out of gas they're you know our our heroes are like stuck they're in the middle of nowhere they haven't seen anything for a while and our our i guess for lack of a better term our hero is stressed out and his girlfriend's going to help him help soothe him a little bit and she says he needs a car wash and it was the most bizarre thing i've seen but i loved the look of that yeah. Right. Okay. So what? What? What she's made that using, stand up? She's using her hair yes. as almost like wipers when you go through a car wash. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. She's she's running her hair across his face, but then what we get is we get this like POV shot from him looking up at her with yeah. the hair just framing in the 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 sunlight, sort of just creating this radiant glow. And I'm thinking she does not have that much hair. There's no. no way she doesn't have that much hair. But it looks great, and it creates that sense of like. I think a feast in calm it makes him feel like she has that much hair. Yes. Oh, like there's something totally. very dreamy. It reminded me of nicely lit shots under blankets. Yes. Or not blankets, but sheets, but sheets. in a bed with two yes. people staring at each other. Yes. It has it, that same kind of calming effect. Yes. They, they, they're isolated from the world. The world's blocked out. It's just the two of them with this right, warm nice glow yes. around them. And it, it it really gives us that that connection with, with these two. It gives us a reason to, you know, you sort of have to have that save the cat moment, right? Of like, they're horrible people. They knocked off a convenience store and they're they're on the road. Why do we care about these people? Well, they care about each other. We get it inside of right. their relationship. So I'm like, yes. okay. She's, you know, she wants she wants him to be successful. She wants these things for him. And so she's going to do what she can to calm him down. She's not the like, you know, nag of a girlfriend of like, why aren't you good enough? Why don't you do right. all things? She's very supportive. We don't right. see that. We have a, I guess, a more functional relationship with these two. And that, that moment there gave us that. And inversely, he's not the, come on, we got to do right. this. He flips out. She knows how to, it reminded me a lot of one of my favorite movies, Black Snake Moan. Uh, when um, the character played by Justin Timberlake is a very masculine character, but suffers from crippling anxiety. And it takes 
the woman in that movie Magoo to, you know, I'm not fast <laughs> with these things to calm him down. She has like these little ways to calm him down. So we take the hyper masculine and take it down. And we take the, like you said, the, what has been horribly used in film, the traditional nag or the killjoy of the right. feminine part. And instead uses it. She keeps saying that he needs a boost, right? A boost. It's neat. <laughs> yes. And I, it was, it really was after I was a little bit underwhelmed because I knew what it was trying to do at the gas station. Okay. Yes. This made the movie, I was like, oh, I care about these people. And they're kind of dumb. But now they, the, <laughs> you, I think you said it perfectly. Their love for each other makes you love them. And that's a non-traditional save the cat. Yes. Which is well, great. This, uh, so there's, a, there's a, a scene probably about midway through the film. But it, to me, it perfectly captures their relationship uh sort of the, their dynamic because once once the you know we're on the road their car runs out of gas they end up going to the house then it, it, we don't get that many moments with just them it's about the interplay between our two couples so there's one scene where they're um sort of tied up captive in the basement and they have a they have a little uh conversation about the business that i think is a, a great example of their uh, relationship and who they are I've told you a hundred times, the business model, it's flawless, okay? The, the cost of goods are zero. Every day we wake up, we roll out of bed, and we just hit the shore, scoop up a day's worth of merchandise, and then we sell them. You know, I'm talking nice, shiny shells, some different colors, maybe some skipping rocks. It's, it's, it's pure profit, Jules. Oh, I get that, baby, I do. I'm just saying what happens when we get too big. And then we have to hire somebody. And then it's not going to be pure profit anymore because we're going to be paying the new shell finder. Could bleed us dry. But what if we give the shell finder like a chunk of the company, you know, a small chunk, like equity, right? Every big business starts with equity. So, Tommy, th what I love about this clip is I, I well, I think you, <laughs> you get it too. It's this, they're, there's something unique about them. They're, and I guess we get it from the robbery at the beginning. They're not that bright. Right. But they have this dream. And it's, to me, this whole description of the, well, hey, you know, if we just go along the beach and we just scoop up the shells. And I'm like, that's like the worst business plan ever, right? <laughs> it's maddening. And yet it's not maddening in the film. I hate. Right. I generally hate characters like that. But for some reason... Again, I really think it will always come down to the love and respect that they have for each other. There's not one dumb. There's not one smart. There's nothing mean yes. about them. They both care about each other so much, and they just feel like they're optimistic idiots. And there's something very <laughs> yes. captivating about that because we don't get a lot of that. We get a lot of what, what happens in a lot of films, especially in comedies. I'm thinking of all the Will Ferrell, all the stuff. We get overly confident idiots. Yes. And there's no reason that they should be confident. But really nice or optimistic idiots, that's an undertapped market. <laughs> and there's something very sweet about that. There there is. There there is the sweetness about and I guess it's the for lack of a better term, the purity of their relationship that it, it's, yeah. it's very straightforward. They love each other. They care about each other. They lead a simple life. They, they, they're robbing convenience stores and gas stations to get enough money to get to Florida so they can start their business. It's right. not, you know, that's, that's they don't want to hurt. They don't want to hurt anybody. No, yeah. they don't want to hurt anybody. And so the fact that when they, you know, are in this house, just trying to get a car and then they stumble across the deep dark secret of sweetie pie chained up in the basement <laughs> throws throws things for a loop right yeah yeah so th that begins 
the whole shift of the movie of, okay, now what happens when our optimistic idiots are confronted with something really dark and sinister? And, and they have to really make a choice. Yes, exactly. Yes. And that's, that's sort of the other piece that it felt like really consistent for me that, okay, it's not that, okay, great, there's a girl that's tied up here, but we've got our deal. We've got to hit the road. We've got the cops after. If she'll be, Clearly, she's fine. We can just leave her. She'll be fine, and we get out of here. No, they've got to save Sweetie Pie. Right. right. So that, that's what that's what starts things going with our conflict. Right. Jules in particular. Bill Jules. or Mickey is ready to bolt. Right. Mickey is yes. more pragmatic, but Jules, as is revealed in dialogue, sees herself. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yes, we do get that. So then you know, so they discover Sweetie Pie down in there. They are gonna figure out how to to free her. They walk, walk upstairs, and that's when they discover that the homeowners have returned. And that's where we get our our uh, very interesting sort of uh, contrast to our right. to our young our our young idiots. We've got the the darker, more sinister couple who ha who live in what you know. As I said, it's it's like this perfect house, right? I mean, everything looks very nice, well put together. And we've got this contrast between the young optimistic idiots, as I will call them, and our, our more mature <laughs> seasoned psychopaths. Is that what we should sure. call them? Yeah. Right? And, and that begins, uh, I mean, there's not, in terms of story, there's not a lot that goes on other than lots of conversations between these two couples interspersed with attempts from Mickey and Jules to get out of there. That's, mm -hmm. that's basically what happens. We've got this, this conflict between we need to get out of here and the, um, our, our other two, our other two, uh, George and Gloria, uh, Gloria. Thank you. George and Gloria who are, I a hundred percent have IMDb up, you know, okay. me like <laughs> I, had, like I just had that noun. Uh, that I haven't gotten a word or a name right in the history of this podcast. So don't worry. <laughs> so, so the, they've got to keep these two, they've got to keep Jules and Mickey there. So that's the conflict of, we've got to get out of here. No, we've got to keep them here. And that's, right. that's, what's going to the over, Drive, the driving conflict of our story. But in between that, we've got lots of scenes between the two that we get to learn a little bit more about each of our couples. What I found interesting is that this darkness was hinted at earlier in the film. There's a, it, it stood out to me, and it's one of these choices that I, I felt like I didn't need it because as, as Jules and Mickey are going, tearing through the house, looking for the keys and all that, Mickey tosses a video camera. Right. And it just happens to land. And apparently when you throw a, a, a video camera, it can land in such a way that it will automatically start playing, showing right. the sinister footage of like some people that are tied up. And, th and that was like this tip to the audience of maybe to try to create some dra dramatic irony or tension that there's something going on. But it's just a few minutes later when they discover Sweetie Pie. It's so great that you bring that up because when I was taking notes about the film, I wrote Chekhov's video camera to <laughs> why? Yes. I didn't need that. I would have rather those two couples slam into each other like a truck that you didn't yes. see coming yes. instead of this weird because you already you already kind of know that something's going to happen. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Just because yes. we live in a world where films exist. Uh, and so I would have loved more of a, because the couple seems so beautiful in the beginning, yes. meaning Jeffrey Donovan okay. and Kira Sedgwick. Yes. I would have rather not have that camera gun under the desk. Right. Yes. Uh, exactly. Just holding over us. I didn't understand. I, I didn't understand what it was needed, but it made me fascinated of, I would love an alternate me to be able to see the movie without that yes. and to see if it worked. 
or if that does help like prime the pump or something. I'm really interested. I'm glad you brought that up because I made a very specific note about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because we then, then we're in the basement and that's where, I mean, we sort of get the, the jump scare of Jules on the tricycle and then discovering sweetie pie. And I, I already knew that, they were going to be finding something sinister down there because the, right. the video camera tipped that to us. And I'd rather have that, the power of that in the basement rather than you didn't need to give me the breadcrumbs. I, you know, there was enough going on. They needed to be confident in their abilities as filmmakers to, to yeah. not have to give us those pieces. That's, so that's, I agree. Yeah. That's, that's one of those things where I'm like, no, 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 your film's better than that. Trust your audience. You can, you can right. let them, let them hang there for a minute. You don't, don't need to there's the writing was good enough the characters are good enough the performance is good enough that i'm still engaged they're still tearing through the house because i love just the fact that jules and mickey are in this beautiful it's like a model home i mean everything's in its right place and all that and they're just going through like jules starts eating cereal it still just dumps the bowl of cereal over right back onto the floor they're tearing pages out of these nice coffee table books i mean they're they're you know appending drawers of stuff there's not an attempt to just like, oh, we're going to not disturb things. They're just tearing things through. And to me, that's entertaining enough to see right. the way that they're going to treat this environment with disrespect. That's enough to keep me engaged. I could you know, watch them for several minutes doing it. I didn't need the video camera to create more tension, right? There is one note that I made under it that might be why that is. Okay. Is it's telling you what happened to the original. Well, it depends on what you think. Do you believe that these sociopaths, that this is their house? Oh, right. So See, I okay. don't stale, oh. stale cereal, weird. I mean, I believe this was almost either a model, literally you said a model home, yeah. a model home, or what we got was a glimpse of what our sociopaths did to the original owner. Oh, I don't think there's any reason to believe that they live here. Really? I didn't even think about that. I don't I know. I was wondering about the stale cereal because yeah. then also Mickey points out like the old television like everything looks really nice but the tv is you know it's an old tv so clearly you guys don't watch tv and i i hadn't thought about the fact that it wasn't there's a chance that they have they did a home invasion just like our protagonist did a home invasion but they knew what they were doing and just got there first (laughs) and so that's what that's would be the only the reason that i think that they would do that is to tell you to explain that Okay. That none of these people belong in this house. Okay, that's because there's nothing in the house yeah. that really connects. The only thing that really connects that I remember to the sociopaths is the chain, and they brought the chain and tied up uh, Sweetie Pie. I mean, there's well, nothing else that makes sense for that age of a couple. Yeah, that's, the TV uh, you just brought right. up. I mean, it's okay. just it doesn't look like it. Yeah. Well, they've been living there for a while clearly, and they do have a car because the only other thing that I would point to to say they reside there is up in the baby's room they've got the letters for ethan's name it says ethan on the wall she's put Ooh, that hurts my argument quite a bit you're exactly right but but i will also say they are just odd enough that i i could see george saying okay how do i help keep gloria even keeled let her have this room we will set up the baby room right house I, I, I don't know. Well, let, let's talk mm. about let's talk about George and Gloria because there's there's a scene when our home break-in couple have their confrontation with our with our residents here, George and Gloria, and they sit down to to have a conversation about what's going on. And this is and you you mentioned in the intro sort of this Cohen brothers and and Lynchian aspects of it, and I think it's something that that Jeffrey Donovan does really well. Of he's got a slight southern gentleman accent uh-huh. and just a little genteel. bit of very very genteel and there's this this great clip where he's gonna try to sell our Mickey and, and Jules on 
how he sees things. Now, about that car you mentioned. Suppose, just suppose, you two stole it from us. We might, for one reason or another, not report that incident for some time. On the other hand, should you choose to take my daughter with you, we'd be forced to call the police in a much more timely manner. Don't sit here and tell me you don't wish you never went down those stairs. How nice it would have been to find the keys sitting by the front door and have been on your way. Am I right? That's the chance I'm giving you right now. That's what I'm trying to sell you. How'd I do? So George has just made his case on that. But as you, you know, this language that he's using, there's something, and I, that's what I love about Jeffrey Donovan in this, is that he can be so like menacing, but while being polite yeah. at the same time. And yes. it, it's, it's, it really firmly establishes very early on, once we meet George and Gloria, a different tone for them. Because we've got Mickey yep. and Jules as like, they're goofball, millennial, you know, drug addicts. Right. But we've got our more genteel, refined, uh, maybe Gen X, you know, older Gen X couple that's got an established life and routine, and, and there's a threat to that. And it's that dynamic for me that really uh, is the strength of the movie, but it is also a source of, like, my my biggest issues and challenges with, mm. with the film uh, because we're, they're going to be battling that out back and forth, right? Trying to get the upper hand on one versus the other. And when we have that dynamic, I always ask myself, by the time I get to the end, who's being punished, who's being rewarded, and why? Is there, uh-huh. is there a reason that the characters that survive are oh. the survivors? Are there a reason that the characters that don't survive, are they, do they have fatal flaws? And I, I don't see that here. So I, I can't see an overriding logic to why things end the way they do. Hmm. But I love the interplay between sort of the surface level normalcy with the really dark psychosis beneath it mm-hmm. and co- contrasted with the very, you know, crazy younger couple that have the, the, the more pure and I think sweet relationship beneath it. Cause there's a, there's a mm-hmm. darkness to, to George and Gloria once we start to learn their story and we get it broken out through several of the scenes of when uh, even early on, when, um, Mickey is, is sort of bound and Gloria is telling their story. And she talks about like their first, I don't know if it's their first date, but when, when George comes and then, you know, meets her family and you can see in the photo, like this old Polaroid, there's like a body on the, the, you know, on the bed or something like visited daddy. And it's like, okay, that's probably daddy dead there on the, you know, there's something really dark. We don't get a lot of explanation of what or why, but just this overriding sinisterness. Right. That's why I wanted to know a little bit more about them. I mean, clearly, you know, they can't have children. That's why we've got Ethan. Uh, that's why they abducted Sweetie Pie. We, we learned during the dinner scene that, you know, they did have Sweetie Pie as this surrogate child. But then, as, as George said, it became a reminder of something they couldn't have. And so then they needed to get rid of her. And he was going to be merciful by just keeping her chained up in the basement. I don't know how much I buy that or how well that works for me. Because that's hmm. that's one of the, like okay you've got this child what is the reason why it didn't work was it because Sweetie Pie kept getting older and and Gloria wanted like 
the the infant all the time and she wanted to be that type of mother and she didn't want to deal with a you know a, a kid that's you know going to start becoming an adolescent um that i i don't know and that's hmm. because george is very deceitful at that at that dinner scene when he basically sells them on the story of like no 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 we're gonna we're gonna let you go we're not gonna kill you you know he lays out this really compelling sales pitch. yes very compelling sales pitch on why that's the case and then we quickly learn oh no no that's not the case at all they're gonna drug them and kill them that's the end of it so i never know with george as far as when he's selling me something or when i've actually got the story out out of him and that's 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 my my challenge with him because i i don't know and maybe that's why he doesn't make it at the end again when it comes to who survives and who doesn't i mean i mean we can spoil this and say okay sweetie pie and jewels are the ones that make it to the end why them and why do the other three have to die i mean th- this is your genre a little bit when we get into the horror type thing of like who survives and doesn't what did did you feel any anything that it made sense why those through those two are the ones that survive and the other three are, are, are basically punished for for their their behaviors by being killed by the end of the film a little bit it's a flawed logic but in a way that this movie lives in ambiguity which i really liked okay um i was a really big fan of that it's the collision of two couples or if we want to enlarge it say family no let's say couples two couples will trying to take shortcuts to make their American dream come true. Okay. Our protagonists mm-hmm. are willing to rob a gas station in no way. Do you ever feel like they would ever hurt anyone in the entire world? Right. When presented. So I'm just going to do this half first when presented with finally a moral dilemma, girl, sweetie pie in the basement, Mickey played by Skarsgård is more pragmatic. As I said before, and says, no, we've got to keep going. We have our dream that's all that's important is we have to achieve our dream. And she says, largely because of what she's gone through in the past, as is revealed, says, no, this is what derails it. This is the speed bump that has been thrown in our way. Whereas Jeffrey Donovan and Kira Sedgwick, she's like legit insane. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he, but they are an incredibly loving couple, again, willing to do anything it takes to achieve a dream. He is willing to pretend that a ceramic doll is a baby. He is willing to chain up a child. Well, first kidnap a child. And then when that doesn't work, he doesn't want to kill her. But I mean, chaining up a child in a dirty basement is no, that's what a a creep would think is a better way to do it. (laughs) Right. And so that's what I think the, the skewed kind of, rewarding and punishing thing is there are kind of the two most innocent people and Mm. the most virtuous are sweetie pie because she doesn't know any better and jules who she's the one she's the reason that it all got derailed right i mean jeffrey donovan gave them the sales pitch is we will not turn you in and i believe that first sales pitch i 100 percent believe it because they have a child chained in their basement (laughs) if you just steal the car and not the girl then you were good i believe that it all could have ended and this movie could have been a short but jules said no right even when we're breaking the law to achieve our dreams there are certain lines that can't be crossed Kira Sedgwick is too insane to know what those lines are in the way that she's not even accepting the death of her husband at the end. She's now flipped into a new fantasy. Jeffrey takes the um, punishment for doing, for crossing the line to achieve his wife's dream and his family's dream. And Mickey and um, Skarsgård 
is punished because he was willing to let lines be crossed. Okay. That's no. just a, a possibility. No, it, that makes sense because yeah. we, we do get, yeah, when Jules is, is down there in the basement alone with Sweetie Pie, she tells that story of waiting for the parents to come home and the parents never come home. We, we don't, we never find out why, you know, right. basically she and her sister watched cartoons and ate cereal. And then after seven days, the cereal ran out and that's, we, you know, were, were, did something tragic happen to them? Were they abandoned? We have no idea, but she knows basically what that's like to be left on your own with nobody to take care of you is, is what I took from right. That from brings that the story. stale cereal in a way that I never just connected until yeah. just now into an interesting, she's the one right. that eats and spits out the cereal. cereal. That's just a, like a little, maybe nice yes. little drop of like getting her in that frame of mind. Yes. Cereal gone bad, bad. to not enough food to then right. child in the basement that could have started her subconsciously could have started. Yes. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. I never thought of yeah. That. yeah. I mean, there, there are those little moments. Like I said, there's, there's parts of this that work really, really well. Yeah. And I think you've, you've made a compelling case with our rewards and punishment, but it, it's something that, yeah, it, I, I always look for that bigger payoff of like, what it do is you not a learn? straight line at right. all. No, and I don't think I, anyone really learns anything. No. And that's what I'm always hoping for of, as I watch a film, like you're presenting me with this story. You want, there's some type of moral judgment that's being passed. Tell me what your reason is. It's right. it's not there. And I, I would say this isn't that type of film. This is a film that's there to entertain, to have fun. It will make choices that are, are quirky and fun yep. and entertaining uh, to make us laugh, uh, to, to creep us out a little bit. I think that's probably what the intent was. And I, I would say it even goes back to what you said about the, uh, yep. about films on the blacklist of sort of, it's a calling card. And I think that's, mm. you know, what I would see this film as, as it's a small film. It's, you know, single location. They shoot it in that, that, I mean, we've got the convenience store gas station. We're on the road in the car. And then the vast majority of it is Right. In, in that three, house. It's really three big setups. Yes. That, yeah. That's it. So that's, you know, small, small production, little indie film. This is what we can do. We can do, we can do suspense. We can make you laugh. I can get some good performances and it, and I, I can direct some, some recognizable faces and get good yeah. performances out of them. So I'd say this is, yes, definitely a, a calling card film because I, I'm trying to think of, if I was a much younger man, you know, like high school, discovering a film like this because of some of the the cool shots, uh, just some of the interesting I would have flipped. I would have flipped yes. for it in right. college. I would have yes. been like, everyone has to sit down and watch this movie because <laughs> I was doing that with movies. Granted, I yes. lucked out in liking movies like Heavenly Creatures and stuff yes. like people weren't <laughs> like that have stood this test of time. Yeah. This one is a little more the nicest way to say shallow. In yes. that, I love what you've brought up is that. No one learns anything. At most, everyone learns who they are. Okay. For real. Yes. Jules learns that it's worth, that there are certain things she's going to step down on. Mm -hmm. uh, Skarsgård learns that he's willing to sacrifice himself yes. for his girl. Jeffrey Donovan, you know, it goes down the yeah. line. And Kira Sedgwick doesn't learn anything. She just gets her new psychosis. <laughs> <laughs> really you know she yes. just updates yes she, she switches yes. the plot that's right. going on in her head yes she almost like has the sad like the creepiest happiest ending <laughs> sort of totally disconnected from reality yes. totally disconnected. oh yes yeah yeah there's there are some you know there are great sequences uh, moments in this film I, I think the dinner works really really well and that that kicks off sort of a, an odd I don't know, shift in the film because we've got a police officer 
that shows up, which I was not expecting at all. And so I figured we're going to keep it here. Um, but right. it's at the perfect point of like, how do we ratchet up the tension more? Now we've got the outside threat of the officer that comes into the house and create for me created some really compelling suspense because whenever a character's life is threatened, I'm thinking, okay, uh, which way could this go? Because the cop could either discover things and that, that takes the story in one direction or they kill him and it goes in a completely right. different direction. Are our, our, our two couples going to team up against the cop? And so I had no <laughs> idea which way this was going to possibly play yeah. out, which was, which was uh, a lot of fun for me. So when, um, when George escorts the cop into the house, into the dining room and Mickey and Jules are gone, I thought, okay, where are they? And I love what happened to them because we know they're, they're, they're drugged up. They're drugged right. out of their mind on whatever pills that uh, Gloria and George found. So they're like often like the weight room or whatever. Right. And I, I just, <laughs> it speaks to, I guess, the quirkiness of the characters of they're drugged up. How can they, how can they get back on their feet? Um, I don't know. As, as she says, we, I need a boost. So I'm going to go start, I'm gonna more, start drugs. More, yeah. more, more Coke. Right. And her solution for getting, because, because Mickey's completely out cold. So how does right. she, how is she going to force him to snort cocaine? That was just, I, I, I love yeah. <laughs> that, whole, that whole sequence. I, I thought this is fun. This it, it's balancing that, that lightness and doing something that I haven't seen before of, mm -hmm. you know, I'm waking up groggy. Okay. Splash cold water on my face. No, I'll just do some more Coke and that'll get, give me the energy I need to escape from these lunatics. Right. Well, that was my favorite comedic part was the first boost when she's saying, oh. you need a boost, you need a boost. And he <laughs> takes a huge bump and then it's shot from above. And he goes, get gas. <laughs> like he just, he's a, he, and he literally comes up with the right choice. He did yes. need the boost. That was my favorite comedian. Uh, comedic part of the well, movie. Yes, I, I think that's the, you know, again, not the brightest pair necessarily. Right. Uh, yes, it's it's moments like that that yeah, I I enjoyed this film a lot. Like I said, I had issues, but I, I don't know. Yeah. There's, I'm trying to think on, on rewatch value. Yes, as a much younger man, I would have definitely watched over and over and over again to for right. the thrills and laughter. But I'm, I'm now I'm a much older man wanting something more serious. I don't know. Well, but I think we've also seen some of this stuff. If you are a well-watched person, yes. comes off as blank light. As we've yes. already sort of said, yeah. some of it is Tarantino light. Some of it yeah. is David Lynch light. And maybe the nicer way to say it is not light, but accessible. Yes. And that's cool. But if you're an enormous Coen Brothers and Lynch fan like I yeah. am, there, there's just not as much to hang on to. Right. Yes. And so you kind of want all of the things that I think you are saying that you wish went deeper or right. longer or scarier, or you learned more. There's not, there's really none of that. That's very, right. it's the kind of movie that, I really enjoyed. And then because I watched it four or five days ago, mm -hmm. if I'm being completely honest, yeah. I went to Wikipedia for a quick plot refresher. Yeah. Cause I was losing parts of it. Mm -hmm. Cause it didn't, it just lit up my, the college part of me. It lit up the, I like these kind of things that cinema can do, but it's not like it's, there's much to think about in the store. Right. Exactly. So I think, I think we're both on the same page yeah. as far as yeah. that's concerned. No. And I, I like how they, you know, we, we do get our little resolution. So it, it, the, the end. And it, it, again, this is the artistry that I see in it because we've got our beginning, you know, we, we get several 
times like the the old like home movie you know footage eight millimeter, type of, eight millimeter yeah. of of the beach and so then we get that we see jules and sweetie pie living the dream right they're they're on the beach they've got they've got mickey's shell shop they're 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 selling you know the shells to to make a living or whatever how long are they going to be able to sustain that doesn't matter because it's almost like fairy tale you know now right it's like and i'm not convinced fairy- that that's right. even real Right. A hundred percent. That that's just, that's still the fantasy fantasy of, of what's going on. And yeah. They, you know, I think it's equal that. parts. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. making a living selling shells <laughs> is so dumb. <laughs> and now you just, now like what was going to solve it at a eight year old? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think, I think it, it gives us a nice out. Yes. But the fact that they filmed it, the fact that they filmed it in eight millimeter, which yeah. we've been seeing kind of fantasy-ish yes. little things. I'm not convinced that that's exactly what happened, but it's a nice way to end the film. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, it's it's one that, you know, I'm I'm this is what, you know, happens on Trailer Rewind. We find these and sometimes they're forgettable. It's I'm glad I watched it because there was something enjoyable to be to be gained from it, but yeah. is it a classic I'm going to revisit? Yeah, probably not. I'll probably for, by, you know, this time next year I'll be thinking yeah i saw it but i won't be able to recall right much out of it but it, it it did entertain and i think that's you know makes it worth at least checking out when you're scrolling through like i need something i'm looking for something different this will give you that and like i said it's it's not so intense of the, the right. dark thriller it is something lighter it's something that and it ends on you know an optimistic ending so it's not one where you're like Oh, humanity's horrible, and people right. are people are monsters. Right. This is just great. It's no, there are good people, and that's what I like about about Jules. She is that light. And then we do get what I did like in the end is as um, Mickey's dying, we we get that car wash moment again. Right. We get the callback to that of him being at, at peace. Uh, yeah. Uh, again there at the end so there's you know again a lot of smart choices the things they they know how to do it and they know how to do it well and i will definitely watch this again i'm currently writing a horror comedy oh comedy horror however you want to say that and this film i will i want to sort of forget about and then come back to the first part will probably be pretty easy because i think that they really handle tone shifts very well it never gets so goofy that it's like wait no, I don't. I want to. I always liked both sides, right. the goofy and the tension. Yes, the 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 sinister and the charming. I thought they handled that really well. I think a lot of it goes to the actors. Jeffrey Donovan is just oh spectacular yeah, I, in this movie. For, for me, the 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 best example of that shift. Uh, for me, comes from Kira Sedgwick when they're at dinner. We've already had the moment where Jules was threatening to, to drop Ethan the ceramic baby doll, right. and Gloria shoots. Jules, you know, out of reflex, you know, or intentionally, it's hard to say, but she drops him, Ethan, Ethan dies. Right. And then we're, you know, then we're, we're at the dinner and we get the whole story about how they're going to let them go and, and all that. And then Gloria tells her, starts telling her story. And we just, it's, we've learned the story of Ethan, of how she got Ethan. It was the last gift right. from her mother before right. her mother passed. And it was the one thing that for her to hold on to, to be the light when thing, when things get tough, this is her hope, all of this. And now Jules has taken that from her. Right. And it, it, you see, as Gloria's telling the story, you, you watch, you watch Mickey cause he's eating. And then all of a sudden he just lets the food drop out of his mouth. Cause yeah. he's thinking, this is not good. This yeah. Is not- this is, we are targets. This <laughs> is not the dinner that I was hoping for no but yeah. it was it, that that shift and to see the realization and, and Kira Sedgwick just delivering that I'm like to me I'm thinking 
as she's reading it, it's it's moments like that that I, yep. I'm assuming are appealing to an actor of like I get this monologue, I get this. this oh, interesting. For yeah, this, this character because to me that was that moment was really the strength of that character. Told me everything I needed to know about her. It was a moment of transparency. Yeah, it sort of explained a lot of reasons why she might be the way she is, hmm. um, or what drives her. Uh, why why is she? holding on to this uh, ceramic yeah. baby because the rest of her life is crap and she's got to have something right right oh but it's 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 those pivots that are handled really really well and it's yeah. there are the there are the shifts but i didn't feel like i was being jerked one way to the other it was able That's to transition smoothly right but i could i could be scared one moment in that basement and i can be laughing later and then i can be creeped out and it is all and the performances are are even you know yeah. it's, the, the, it's that baseline that just the the subtle shifts from one from one way to the other, um, yeah, I, I'd say see it for that, see it for the performances. Agreed, from everybody in this one. I've really enjoyed this. I've enjoyed it too. Well, for our listeners out there, I want to thank you for listening to this new season of Trailer Rewind. If anything that we said here entertained, educated, or even enraged you, we'd like you <laughs> to tell people about this podcast. Whatever your podcast listening platform is, please share, rate, or write a short review. It helps other podcast listeners find us. And if you enjoy connecting with other film fans, you can become a member of our community on Discord. It's free, and there's always all kinds of interesting dialogue or debate to jump into. There's all kinds of stuff about Disney and Mulan people are talking about now. Uh, People are reviewing all kinds of movies, digging into their lists. There's always an interesting discussion over on Discord. We look forward to seeing you over there. And Tommy, it's been a pleasure. I hope we get to do another one of these sometime soon. This was a lot of fun. It was uh, it was really nice to be able to do one of these because I'm a big fan of the show and of myself. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'm just everybody, kidding. and of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Get started today.